Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Let's turn the mic down some. Because y'all know how I get excitable. Might blow your eardrums out. A little bit more. Ah, right there. That's good. Is that good for everybody? Is that a comfortable uh, level? Amen. Y'all going to have to talk back to me today. All right? Amen. Where my amen corner at? This side is my amen side. Everybody say amen over here. Amen. Everybody say glory to God over here. So when I say glory to, when I point to you, I want y'all to say what? Oh boy, that's weak. When I point to y'all, I want y'all to say what? Amen. When I point to you all, I want you to say what? Glory to God. Y'all missed it. Amen. They own it. They own it. Y'all slow. Come on. Glory to God. I hear one person over there. All right. Okay. All right. Maybe this message will make you say glory to God once or twice. Go to Acts chapter 4. We're going to continue where we left off on New Year's Eve night. How many of you all were here for New Year's Eve? Had a packed house in here on New Year's Eve. I told everybody, be consistent. Come to church. Look around. Look at y'all, boy. Look at your cousins. They don't come. <laughs> they come every other week. We got two churches here. Acts chapter 4. When you're there, say amen. amen. We're going to continue talking about the great grace of God. Amen. The great grace of God. The door of grace. Acts chapter 4. Obviously, as we said before, Acts chapter 4, the backdrop to this particular chapter is Acts 3, when you have Peter and John walking past the gate called Beautiful, right? If you go to Israel, that, 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 that gate is still there. It's the gate called Beautiful. They were walking past, and there was a lame man there whose Bible says he was impotent, he was lame, he couldn't walk, he was lame from birth, right? And the scripture says that this man was there day and night, all the time. This, is, this was his spot. Uh, there's a guy on uh, Livernoy, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, on 75 and 8 Mile. Every time I drive past, he's there asking for money. That's his spot, right? Well, this was, the, this was this man's spot where he begged and asked for alms. And he asked Peter and John for money. And Peter said those famous words, what? He said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the man not only rose up and walked, but what did he do? He started leaping and jumping all over the place. He was anointed. He was healed. He ran into the synagogues and told everybody that he was healed. Right? Amen. He ran into the synagogues and told the rulers of the synagogues what had happened. The rulers of the synagogues were, were upset because they were those esteemed people. Right? They're, they were paid to do what they did. And, in, and, 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 and anytime Jesus is mentioned, anytime Jesus or the gospel is preached, liberation happens to people. Whatever continent, whatever country, whatever religion is dominant in that area, let the gospel go forth and I guarantee you people will be liberated. If we start preaching the gospel, what? Okay. If we start preaching the gospel over in Muslim countries, guess what? People will be liberated. Amen. Women will start taking the sheets off of their heads and stop driving in the back seat and walking behind 10 feet behind their men. They know, you know what? Jesus died for me too. Yeah. We all equal playing ground here, buddy. Why am I? Why do I have to walk 10 steps behind you? Yeah. You have a song? We got that. Only thing that got showing is their eyes. It's like, man, it's 95 degrees out here. Right. Got to be hot. Yeah. Unless there's some built in air conditioning that. That boy. Anywhere the gospel is preached, liberation happens. So the chief rulers of the synagogues at that time, 
did not appreciate this man being healed and furthermore did not appreciate the fact that he was giving glory to Jesus and saying that these apostles healed him by the name of Jesus Christ. Because if that spread across the land, liberation would begin to happen. When people get free, guess what they also get free from? Organized religion. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of y'all have been free from organized religion before? Amen. Praise the Lord. How many ex-Catholics we got in here? You got free from organized religion. Ex-Lutherans, you got free from organized religion. Ex-Baptists, you got free from organized religion. Y'all don't like me no more? Alright. I'm just saying. Sometimes non-denomination. We non-denomination. That's an organized religion now too. <laughs> Get free. Get somewhere where you can worship God free. Get somewhere where there are no rules and regulations saying which man-made rules and regulations saying which you can and cannot do. Women can't wear makeup. Women can't wear skirts. Where in the world do you see that at in the Bible? Where is that? She can't get your hair cut. Hair got to grow all the way down here. You're stepping on your hair, sitting on it every time. You, you better cut that stuff low. You better cut it off. <laughs> Trim it up. Amen. Man-made. Uh, religions, Jesus said, you make proselytes. You travel land and sea to make proselytes out of people. So this was the organized religion at this time. And the chief rulers of the synagogues were those that were rulers of this particular organized religion. And Jesus, or this man, was healed and given glory to God, giving praises to Jesus that the Lord healed him. Everybody knew that the man was lame. Mm -hmm. And so what did they do? They captured those men. They captured Peter and John. They beat them. They imprisoned them. And then they had a sidebar conversation inquiring about what they were going to do with these guys. What are we going to do with them? If we kill them, then the fame of this will spread all over everywhere. They said, but we can't let this spread. If you read in Acts chapter 4, they even said, we cannot deny that this man was healed. A miracle happened. Everybody knew that the man couldn't walk. So a miracle, an undeniable miracle took place, but they didn't want the fame of that miracle to spread. So they said, let us straightway threaten Peter and John not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they threatened them and told them not to preach in the name of Jesus. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 4. Let's look here at verse uh, 23. And being let go, they went to their own company. Everybody say own company. Come on, they didn't go home and start licking their wounds and crying, right? Let you get beat for the gospel's sake. Some of us will give up, won't you? Some of y'all can barely have a cold and come to church. Some of y'all give up. You got beat for the gospel's sake. No, they didn't go back home. They didn't go lick their wounds. They didn't go whimpering. They didn't go look at Dr. Phil. They didn't go read some self-help book. They went back to church. Yeah. <laughs> they went to their own company. Amen. It's something to say about going back to your own company. They went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, when everybody heard what the chief elders and the priests said to Peter and John, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Did Peter and John come back and say, man, we got to close up shop. We got to close these tents up. The government said we can't preach no more. We can't have church no more. We can't preach in the name of Jesus. No. They went back. They reported everything that the, 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 uh, that the chief priests and the elders said. And what did the congregation do? They began to lift up their voice. Hallelujah. 
and pray and say, Thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all there is that. Oh, I mean, I always messed that up. And all that in them is. Right? Try to say that three times fast. They started to worship God. Verse 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of this earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants a way to escape. That what he said? No. Granted to your servants that we with all boldness that we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. Watch this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. When they got the evil report, when they got the threatenings from the chief rulers and the priests, when they reported that back to their church, they lifted their hands. The first thing they did was worship God. You are the God. You separated the heavens and the sea. They began to worship the Lord. And then they began to remind the Lord of what he said through the prophet David. Why do the heathen rage and the, and, and the heathen, and, and the, and the heathen uh, imagine a vain thing? And then they said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings against us and grant us boldness. Some of us would have been asking God to get me out of here. Get me a car. Let me go. Get me a plane ticket. I need to go home. They said, no, we want boldness. Not only to preach the gospel, but to preach it with demonstration, with signs and with wonders. And the Bible says that when they were, when they, after they had done pray, the whole building was shaken and the Holy Ghost filled every one of them. And they began to declare the word of God with great what? Boldness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I want you to pray for me. If you ever pray for your pastor, pray that the Lord give me a door of utterance and grant me boldness to preach this gospel. That's my prayer for you. Let's watch this. Watch this as we go further and read here. Let's look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, well, we saw that verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul or mind. Neither said any of them that that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They had all things common. Nobody said, this is mine. This is my car. This is my house. This is my food. No, they had all things common. If you had a need, they met the need. Mm-hmm. That's right. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. In the church, we are that lighthouse. We should have all things common. If you have a need, if we are in a position to meet that need, then we should. Mm-hmm. Let the church say amen. amen. It's not the government's job to meet the needs of the people in the church. That's right. no. That's right. It's not. It's not. It's our responsibility to be able to meet that need, whether the need is spiritual, the need is psychological, mental, emotional, or financial. That, that, that burden should fall on the church to be able to meet that need. Now we got to meet that need through people giving, tithing. Come on, somebody. Right. You can't meet it without no money in the bank. Right. Praise the Lord. But we have done done our best effort in this church to meet the needs of people that are in need Mm -hmm. to the degree that we can. That's our responsibility. They had all things coming. Nobody said this is my possession. This is mine. If you needed something, they were able and ready to bless. Mm -hmm. Say, Lord, Lord, make me a blessing so that I can bless others. Verse 33. And with great 
power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great what grace was upon them was upon some of them was upon half of them was upon the, the prophets and the apostles and the priests and the, and the pastors it was on them all everybody everybody that was a member of the church of God at that time great grace was upon them first the scripture says that with great power gave the apostles witness of the Lord Jesus Christ let us not forget that the demarcation of what we believe is power what separates what we believe from other beliefs Yes, we feed the hungry. Guess what? Other beliefs feed the hungry. There are people that don't believe in anything that feed the hungry. There are do-gooders out here. Boy, they'll go with Habitat for Humanity and be building houses over in, the, over in somewhere in some third world country. Do-gooders doing good out of the kindness of their heart. But what separates us from them? Because we should do good things too. We should feed the hungry. We should build houses if we can. If it be in our power to assist, we should be able to assist. What separates us from what they believe? Power. That same resurrection power that blasted you out of the kingdom of darkness and introduced you into the kingdom of light. That same resurrection power that changed your spiritual nature. That same resurrection power that raised Jesus up from the dead is that same power that has healed people. Is that same power that has changed your mind. Is that same power that will redeem you. It's that same resurrection power. That's the mark of demarcation for what we believe is that we are met with great power. Paul said, I do not preach the word of God with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. That when the faith of the people, when it's all said and done, the faith of the people may not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. God wants your faith to stand in his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He wants you to have faith in his ability to be able to provide for you whatever you need, to be able to deliver you from whatever it is that you're going through. It's his power that marks what we believe so with great power gave the apostles witness y'all ain't where I am right now I'm on fire maybe because I already preached but I'm on fire right here and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus watch this and great grace was upon them all there was something on them that was other than them that was different than them and it was upon everybody the whole lot everybody that was a part of the church had an experience this great grace now the word grace means what we've heard it before it's translated through the Old Testament and New Testament's favor. Great grace is favor, the favor of God. And we listen to the favor of God and it's cute. It sounds right, sounds cool. You know somebody named Grace and Grace is just sounds great. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. And people say that and we almost use grace and mercy interchangeably. Like they're the same thing. They're not. Hallelujah. What is mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Praise the Lord for mercy. How many of y'all deserved destruction? How many of y'all deserved you didn't turn your back on the Lord knowingly? You knew what you were doing and you did it anyway. He, he applied his mercy to your life. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is what you get what you don't deserve. Praise the Lord. Favor is what you get when you get what you do not deserve. It is unmerited favor. You did not earn it. You did not work for it. Therefore, you can't pop your lapels and say, look what I did. No, the grace of God is a gift. 
lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. The grace of God is a gift. So when you're thanking God for his grace and mercy, just know that those two words are not interchangeable. You're thanking God for, Lord, I thank you that I didn't get what I deserved. I thank you, Lord, I deserved death. I thank you that I deserved uh, 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 another outcome, but you made sure that that didn't happen to me. That was because of your mercy. And, Lord, I thank you for giving me what I didn't deserve. I thank you for unmerited favor. Grace is favor. One of the definitions for grace means to bend down, to kneel down as a superior kneels down and pulls up an inferior. Right? Um, I would be superior. He's an inferior. He's lower. Grace does this. Kneels down and we come up together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when the scripture says that we were risen in Christ and that we are heirs to the kingdom of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When the scripture says that we are found in him, what Jesus literally did when Jesus came to the earth, the windows of heaven opened up and poured out a blessing of unmerited favor and unmerited grace over mankind. And what Jesus did when you got saved is he kneeled down and he pulled you up on his level. Hallelujah. That's grace. That's unmerited favor. That's favor that you did not and could not ever earn or work for. You didn't deserve it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord. I don't even know where to. No. Okay. We just pass it in review, right? How much does grace make a difference in your life? It makes a huge difference in your life. We saw on New Year's Eve that God was getting ready to destroy the entire earth during the days of Noah. Did he not? He said, I am going to wipe out everything. I'm going to wipe out the trees, the herbs, the fowl in the air, the cattle on the ground, everything that crawls, everything that creeps. I'm destroying all of it. He said, it repented me that I made man. He said, because every thought and every imagination of every person on the earth at that time was evil. You think it's bad now. It was real bad then. You talking about bad. You talking about every thought and every imagination of every person on the face of the earth was evil and contrary to God. He said, I am going to destroy the whole thing. Start over. He said, then the next scripture says, but Noah found favor with God and favor made all the difference. What did I tell you on New Year's Eve? Favor or grace is a door. Grace is the door. Favor is the door for the supernatural in your life. We've taught at this church about revelation knowledge, have we not? Revelation knowledge is supernatural knowledge, epic gnosis, exact knowledge that you receive straight from God about what to do next in your life when you don't know what to do. That's revelation knowledge. It comes in your spirit and it strengthens your spirit and shows you what to do next. Guess what the door to revelation knowledge is? It's the door of grace. Grace opens wide and allows revelation knowledge to come through. How do we know that? What did Noah receive about building an ark? Nobody had ever built a boat before. It had never rained on the earth before. At this time, we were experiencing the time of Pangea. Does anybody know what Pangea means? That's when the whole earth, all the landmass was one mass. It was not broken up by water into continents. It was one landmass called Pangea. The earth or the, 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 the landmass was like an island in the middle of a bunch of water. The water surrounded all of the land. We didn't have continents until the flood. Amen. Amen. It had never rained before. 
But Noah received revelation from God through what? Through the door of favor. For Noah found favor in the eye of God. That favor door opened up and spoke and, and, and allowed revelation knowledge to come through and, 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 and to, and to, and to uh, come through to Noah. And Noah, the Lord told Noah to build an ark, build a big boat. Gave him the dimensions to build the boat and told him that rain was coming. And he preached rain for 99 years mm. without one convert. Mm. How would you like to preach something for 99 years and nobody believe you? Mm-hmm. Nobody get converted. Matter of fact, they scorn you and they laugh at you. And he's just a building. He's just a building. Him and his family building a big ark. And all of a sudden, drop fell on somebody's head. What in the world was that? Water came from up. <laughs> and the Bible says that it started to rain. The heavens broke open and water started also coming from underneath the ground. And the flood and, and it flooded the entire earth. But guess what happened to Noah? He was in the what? He was in the ark. The ark represents favor. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So how much difference does grace make? It makes all the difference in the world. This world is still here for grace. How much difference does grace make? The Bible says that Mary found favor with God. The Bible says that when the angel came to visit Mary, he said, you are highly favored of the Lord. And she, because of her favor, because of the door of grace in her life, was chosen to birth the Son of God. How much favor, how, does, how much does grace make the difference? It makes all the difference. It changed not only her life, but it changed all of our lives. And there are varying degrees of grace as we discussed on New Year's Eve. What are the varying degrees of grace? The scripture says that she, what it, in, it, in Acts chapter 4 it says that great grace was on them. That's a descriptive word, right? It describes how much grace so if there was great grace, and you can have different levels of grace. Because the Bible says that, that Mary was highly favored or highly graced, right? The scripture says that when Jesus was born, in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that Jesus had some grace. The Bible says that he found favor with God. And in chapter 2, verse 52, the, the scripture says what? that Jesus increased in wisdom. He increased in stature, which, which means he got taller and bigger and filled out as a man. And the Bible says he increased in favor with God and man. Yes, he did. That's right. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, what does it say? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus went from having some grace to increasing in grace to be full of grace. Yeah. How much difference would grace make in your life? Hallelujah. How much difference will the door of grace being opened just a little bit wider in your life difference? How much difference would that make for you? What does grace do for you? Thank you, Lord. You don't even know, do you? What does grace, what, what, when you don't have grace, what happens in your life? Everything falls apart. Like I said, New Year's Eve, you wake up, you're bumping your toe, you're knocking your knee in the morning, you're getting up, you're burning your shirt, you're spilling coffee, you're driving to work, you get a flat, you get there, you find out you're fired, you come home, find out this is lack of grace in your life. Amen. So grace makes all the difference. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you were operating by the grace of God? Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like everything you touch 
turn to gold. You had the Midas touch. You made everything work and your mind, your intellect was higher. Your mind was higher. Your thought processes were greater and you were, be, you were able to believe beyond what you thought you could believe for a year ago. That's by the grace, the unmerited favor of God. Without the grace of God you can do nothing. Without the grace of God you are nothing. Yeah. The scripture says, this saving grace. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 that, that, that we are saved by grace through faith. Yeah. It is the door of grace that even allows faith to come into your heart for you to even believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you all heard the gospel preached a dozen times before you received Jesus. What was it that was different that one time that wasn't present the other 12 times when you heard it? It was grace. You now had the grace to receive, the grace to understand. The Lord, through that grace, calibrated your spirit to your mind, and you can understand, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Have you ever had grace hit your spirit, and it gave you the strength to believe? It gave you the strength to go on. That was grace. I have been in situations where I was bound to certain sins in my life, and it felt like I was not going to be able to get beyond it, but all of a sudden, there came an infusion. Praise the Lord, an infusion of grace. And I felt like, oh, God, I could do this now. I feel like I can accomplish the goal now. That is grace. Without grace, you can't even receive faith. Without grace, you can't receive anything in this life. But you think grace is cute. Ah, grace, grace and mercy. No, grace, this favor is more than God just winking at you and smiling at you and sanctioning what you're doing. Amen. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. It is the door into the supernatural realm where everything you need flows to you when you need it. Go to Exodus. Praise the Lord. Go to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to get some amen people in here to come to church. No, no, don't start now. <clears throat> I'm going to go hire me some amen people. $20 a pop. Come to church and all I want you to do is say amen. When it's good, say amen. amen. Exodus 33. When you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're looking, say looking. God help all the looking folk. You got to go to the front. Go to the front. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Exodus 33. Let's look here at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, watch what the Lord says to Moses, Depart and go up hence, you and the people which you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Megabites, Mosquito Bites, (laughs) and Termites. All the ites is going to be driven out, the Lord said. Always fumble over those ites, man. The Jebusites. Where are these people now? Like, are you a Jebusite? Okay. But notice what the Lord says here. (laughs) Verse 1. He said, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt. Now, when God brought them out, 
He said, my people that I brought out. God was bragging. My people that I brought out, I delivered them from the hand of, of from, from, from bondage in Egypt. Now God is saying, Moses, you go get your people and you bring them out. Come on. It's a bad thing when the Lord started disowning you, boy. He don't even want to, he, 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 these ain't my people. I don't know who these folk is. <laughs> they ain't mine. You go get your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt. Well, what's the backdrop to Exodus 33? Exodus 32 is when God sent Moses up to the mountain, right? To get the Ten Commandments. Moses up there, scribing the Ten Commandments in stone. He's communing with God. It's wonderful. He's up there 40 days. He hadn't eaten and hadn't even noticed. Have you ever spent time with God and the time just started passing and you don't even know you ate? Some of y'all are like, no, my stomach will start growling and I got to break that fast. I got to go eat. All right. But he was up there. He had the tablets in his hand. He's walking around. He's communing with God. And all of a sudden, the Lord tells him, go back down there because them idiot people that made a golden calf. And they are saying that this calf God is the God that brought them out of Egypt in bondage. God, how would you like for your, your, your session with God to be interrupted, come on somebody, by some, some undisciplined, hard neck, hard head, stiff neck people. He said, go back, I need you to go down there. We got to cut this session short. Go down there because they didn't make a golden gate. They made a false God down here. Yeah. So Moses comes back down. The scripture reads that Aaron, who was the assistant pastor, you got to be careful about them assistant pastors, right? Not you. You were good. You, you got to be careful about them assistant pastors. Boy, Aaron down there, you know, he want to be the people's champ. Y'all yeah. know how it go. You get the, the pastor, he the heavy, right? He leading the people. Moses leading the people. And then Aaron, you know, they, they got, they whispering to Aaron. Aaron's cronies is like, man, you can do what Moses do, man. You, we don't even need Moses. Man, the people love you, Aaron. They love you, man. You the people's champ. Moses go away for 40 days, 40 nights. Aaron then went down there and he walking around. And they said, Aaron, we need a God. Moses is gone. He's probably not coming back. God is not with us anymore. We need a God. Aaron said, I got a good idea. Tell all the women to get their gold earrings and let's, let's melt these earrings and make a golden calf. And we're going to worship this calf. Not only did they make the calf, not only did they build an altar for the calf, but they had a feast of the calf. They began to worship this calf not only, not for only 40 days after Moses was gone. This is how quick people forget. That's why I tell you, what is your greatest hindrance? Y'all don't even remember because you suffer from being a forgetful hearer. Your greatest hindrance is inconsistency and being a forgetful hearer. Forgetting, forgetting. They forgot in 40 days what God had delivered them from. Moses comes back, sees his calf, flips it over, disciplines Aaron, sets the record straight. And then we have chapter 33. Now God is saying, I'm with you. You take these people that you delivered away from me. You take them. I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send my angel with you. Your angel? You was going with us when we was in Egypt. Now you're going to send your angel? You're going to send second best. You're not going to go with us is what, is what Moses is saying here. Drop down to verse 11. 33, 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Praise the Lord. As a man speaketh unto his friend, 
Thank God for that. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou, he said, Look, Lord, see, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. I thought the Lord told him he was going to send the angel. Now he said, Moses is like, I didn't even hear that. Okay, you have not even told me who, who you were going to send to go with us. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. What is Moses saying here? Moses is recounting when the Lord called him and told him to deliver, his, de deliver the people from bondage, from bondage in Egypt. The Lord said, I know you, I've called you by name. He said, now you done called me to do this. You got me out here with these people. You told me to lead them, and now you're telling me you're not going to go all the way? You're going to send an angel to go now? You call, I didn't call myself, you called me, is what he's saying to the Lord. <clears throat> and, I, and, and second half of that, I know thy, thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, Lord, show me now the way that I may know thee, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people, not mine, it's your people. And he said, this is what the Lord said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Amen. Right? Amen. What Praise made the Lord. difference here? Moses said, I have found grace in your sight. And if I found grace in your sight, go with us. This Moses was basically saying, if you don't go with us, we're not going. And that should be your testimony. Lord, if you don't go with us, we can't go. We can't accomplish this if you don't go. What did the scripture say? If the Lord don't build the house, those that labor do what? They labor in vain. You labor in vain if you're going and trying to do something without the hand of God, without the grace of God, without the Lord on what you're doing. How do you know that the Lord is not on what you're doing? We're going to find out right here, right? The Lord said to him what? He said, I will go with you. My presence will be with you. The door of grace is the enabler to the presence of God. It enables the presence of God to be on your side. What was with Jesus? Jesus, the scripture says that Jesus walked with God. Jesus Heal people from sun up to sundown. He had demonstrative miracles all through his ministry. The God was with him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What unlocked the, the presence of God to be with Jesus everywhere he went? He was full of grace. grace. And truth. Grace, great grace is the door to the supernatural. Great grace is what Moses found in the sight of God. And because of that great grace, because of that favor, God said, my presence will go with you. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you ever knowingly felt the presence of God hit your mind before? Yes. I'm serious. Have you ever knowingly felt it like you had a concept, you thought of something that you would not have thought of on your own? Amen. And it was the Lord and you know it was the Lord. Have you ever felt that grace hit your mind and it expanded your, uh, your capacity to understand? Expanded your ability to be able to see, understand, and recognize what you needed to see. There have been things that I read in scripture that I could not conceptualize with my mind. But when grace began to hit my mind, I could understand it, I could see it, and I could walk in it. And that grace was the thing that I needed in order to expand my capacity and my ability to receive and believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
There have been times in life where I have been, I'll tell on me, like I said, I have been bound in certain areas or I didn't have the faith or the wherewithal in my mind to break past the limitation that was imposing itself against me or break beyond the ceiling and all of a sudden grace, something happened on the inside of me, a tweak happened on the inside where now you could believe for something that you couldn't believe for a year ago. You could see yourself doing something that you couldn't see yourself doing a year ago. It could be from the smallest of habits to the largest of sins, whatever it is. When grace hits your spirit and your mind, you can see yourself overcoming. You can conceive, you can conceptualize victory in whatever area that is in your life. How many of y'all have, like a, without, without the show of hands, how many of y'all have ever received the victory over something in your life? Whatever the case, whatever it was, it could have been an addiction. It could have been drugs. It could have been drinking. It could have been smoking. It, whatever it is in your life, you got the victory over. How did you get the victory? There was a grace, a door of grace that opened unto you and you had the ability. You, it wasn't easy now, but you felt the ability to overcome. You felt the ability to keep going without stopping. That was and is. Is the unmerited favor, the grace of God, the door of great grace in your life. Hallelujah. Preaching better than y'all saying amen up in here today. I've been there before. I know the feeling. I know the struggling feeling where you feel like you can't study enough. Studying just ain't enough. You know, read the scripture over and over. I've tried to renew my mind in this area. I've said no a hundred and thousand times, but one time I said yes, and it opened up the floodgates, and I'm, I'm, I'm back doing what I said I'd never do again. It was grace that allowed you to get the victory. That's right. Grace, 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 great grace allowed you to get the victory. Grace is the victory. Hallelujah. It's enabling you to do what you couldn't do. Grace enables you to do what you couldn't do. And grace also enables you to do easy what you thought was hard. This is what grace does. A lot of times we have this idea, this thought in our mind, this thought process that everything that, 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 that God has for us is with a fight. Some things are with the fight. I'm not going to lie to you. Some things you got to fight for. But some things you should walk into a level of grace where it's easy. Not easy in your flesh, but seemingly easy from your spirit. Starting the church ain't easy. Coming up here to preach every Sunday ain't easy. I done preached four times in the last week. This stuff ain't easy. I know y'all like, oh, that's easy. All he do is boy. <laughs> Man, this stuff ain't easy, especially when I'm looking at y'all faces sometimes. <laughs> this stuff ain't easy. But I have faith for grace to speak. Amen. And so it becomes spiritually easy when I'm doing it. There are things in this church and in other areas of my life, not just church, but other areas like business, where I see conceptually, I see how it's supposed to work. I told my staff, the people that's here that serve, you know, throw away Keep the good of what you've attained in, in your walk in Christ and your, t- your time of service. But throw away those other things that you, that, that, that you think you know about. So we're not doing that here. We're doing this differently. How do you get that concept? You get it by grace. I understand it by grace. I see it by grace. Praise the Lord. And when you step into that level of grace, hard things become easy. 
Have you ever seen somebody dance and they say, oh, man, she's like a swan. She bat, she's a ballerina. She skates or whatever. And she has great what? Grace. That, look, that means it, she's doing it effortlessly. You should be doing whatever God has called you to do. It should be effortless to you. That doesn't mean that you won't be attacked. That doesn't mean that the devil won't come and try to attack you and try to get you off of what God told you to do. But that means that whatever you're doing is effortless to you. Praise the Lord. That grace is emanating from your spirit. And then when you do it, listen, when you do operate in that level of grace, people are going to want to give you the credit for it. They want to want to say that person has the hand of God or the presence of God is with them or God is with them. Have you ever heard to have somebody tell you that before? God is with them. I've had people stop me and say, man, there's something about you. Something's different about you. God is with me. That's what's different. What you see is that glow, <laughs> that light, that glow, that God is with me. But you know what? It's not nothing. It's not because of anything I did on my own merit. It's because of the great grace of God. Hallelujah. And so people will say God is with you. God is with that person. And God is with that person. But grace is the enabler that allows God's presence to be with you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if it's God's grace, then it's God's glory. So when you do something for God or when you do something and you're operating real good and people want to give you the praise and say, man, you own it today. You are on it today. You're doing a good job. <laughs> to God be the glory. That's right. God's grace in me. God is. Don't take it. You're going to be tempted to take that glory. Don't take it. And I'm not talking about some weak, pious, oh, I'm really acting humble, but I'm really uh, flattered by what you're saying. I'm serious. You should know that in and of yourself, you are nothing. You can do nothing. You are your inability to affect change is minimal to none. It's by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you get the glory, you better deflect it. You better reflect it back to the Lord and say, he's gracing me. He's gracing me. When y'all come up and say, Pastor, you preached such a great message. Glory to God. It ain't me. I don't know how I got it. I'm telling you right now, I don't know how I get it sometimes, but I do. Sometimes it's in the midnight hour. Sometimes I'll be studying until like 3 in the morning like, what? This don't. And all of a sudden, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> it's grace. Go to Acts 20. Go to Acts 20. Acts 20. Y'all like me today? Is this word good? What time is it? I know y'all get weary here. What time is it? Oh, I'm doing good time here. Today, 2.13, we actually might do something here. Acts 20. I'm burning up. I know y'all. Y'all not hot, are you? Hot. Oh, great. Got two witnesses. Praise the Lord. And that goes off. Burning up. Acts 20, if you're there, say amen. amen. Look at verse 32. <clears throat> and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of what? Grace. The word of his grace, which is able to do what? Build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst all them which are sanctified. Hallelujah. The scripture says that this grace has an ability to do what? Build you up. The original translation says it like this. It says grace, the word of grace has the ability to strengthen and edify your spirit so that you can receive the inheritance. How many of you all are saved in here? You're born again. Put your hand up if you're born again. 
Alright? If you're born again, if you say, guess what? You are a child of God. Yes. You are an heir to the kingdom of God. Yes. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And there is a spiritual inheritance laid up for you. Yes. You know what inheritance is? Amen. Somebody left you something. Somebody died and left you something. <laughs> when Jesus stretched himself wide and allowed himself to be taken captive and allowed himself to be stretched wide and hung high and he died, guess what? He left an inheritance for those that would believe on him. Praise the Lord. And that inheritance is a spiritual inheritance. The first level of inheritance is saving grace, salvation. You are saved by this inheritance. And once you come into the family of God, there is a spiritual inheritance that many people live and die and never understand. They never get it. It never, they never get the concept of this inheritance. One level of this inheritance is that when you are born again, you are connected to Jesus. Period. You can't be plucked out. You can't be you can't lose your salvation. You are connected to the Lord. He forever married himself to us forever. He forever connected himself to us through a physical body. And he said, you are part of my body. You are inextricably connected to Jesus. And in order for you to fail, then Jesus has to fail. Praise the Lord. I said in order for you to fail, Jesus has to fail. And Jesus ain't lost a fight yet. Come on, somebody. He ain't failed yet. Amen. That's a spiritual inheritance that you have to awaken to, that your spirit has to be strengthened in order to receive. Another spiritual inheritance is healing, healing in your body. I don't care what level of disease, I don't care what level of demonic disease that the enemy has opposed upon your body, that your spiritual inheritance by being a part of the family of God is that healing is your portion. You can receive healing in your body. That is your spiritual inheritance. You can receive healing in your mind healing in your emotions, healing in your heart healing is yours, peace is yours, peace is yours, real peace that peace where the word says it's called shalom, it means nothing missing nothing lacking, nothing broken together, peace is your inheritance Hallelujah. prosperity is your inheritance, you don't have to be broke, you don't have to be broke this is your inheritance that's right the word of grace, according to Acts 20, verse 32, the word of grace strengthens your spirit. Builds, the scripture says here, builds you up, builds up your spirit so that you can receive these spiritual inheritances that are yours already. Right. Didn't the scripture say that the Holy Spirit communicates those things that are freely given into us of God? These are freely given to you. These are free gifts that you can apprehend, that you can attain to in this life. And these are inheritance left to you by your big brother, Jesus Christ. Right. Hallelujah. And you, when when grace is, 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 is infused into your spirit, it strengthens your spirit to be able to receive it. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was about 21 years old and I was mopping my floor. Um, my mama made all the boys mop and it wasn't no all the boys it was me right she thought mopping was a man's job because you got to get some elbow in there and you got to start scrubbing that floor and I had to mop the floor at home so I was mopping my floor one time I was living in another state and I was mopping the floor and I was bound to things sin amen be honest it's sin I was bound to a certain area in my life and I'm mopping the floor and I, I was consistently reading the scripture in this particular area in the book of Romans where it talks about that I have been free from the law of sin and death 
that Jesus was made a curse, that he took sin on the cross and tacked it on the cross for me and that I don't have to be bound to the law of sin and death. Because, you know, the law of sin brings about death. Amen. So I'm mopping my floor and I'm quoting the scripture to myself. I never forget it. And it's almost like a Mack truck. I can't explain it. I just understood it. It hit my spirit, the strength to be able to apprehend that spiritual inheritance, which is mine, that I'm free from sin, hit my spirit. And I began to, sh- I, I, sh- I did a quick shout and fell and hit the ground because it was wet. And I was on my back and I was laughing and I was worshiping God because I understood. And this is what the Lord showed me. You don't have to sin. I know that don't sound profound to you. That was... When I, and I understood it, I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin because I'm free from sin. Amen. Amen. I don't have to sin because the nature of sin is not in my spirit anymore. Amen. I have the nature, the very DNA of God in my spirit. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I sin, I'm going against my nature. Come on, somebody. I'm going against my spiritual nature when I sin. So sinning should be hard for me to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Just like it would be hard for a sinner, somebody that's unsaved, to come in here and start talking about God and testifying and start worshiping. You know, when you see sinners that come in, it's like, you know, they don't know what to do. They're like a fish out of water. Sinning for us should be that same way because it's not your nature. Mm -hmm. And when that revelation hit my spirit, that strength hit my spirit and caused me to be able to apprehend the concept that I don't have to sin, my life changed. Did that mean I hadn't sinned from that point up to here? No, that don't mean that. But that means I understand and, cons- and, and, and I get the concept that I don't have to. When I do, I make a choice. Mm. When you do, you make a choice. You make that choice because you don't have to do it. Praise the Lord. So grace, the word of grace will build you up so that you can apprehend your spiritual inheritance. The word of grace builds your spirit for you to fully receive your spiritual inheritance in God. Amen. Go to uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's mighty quiet in this Presbyterian, Catholic, Apostolic. Ephesians 2, verse 8. We know it well. Oh, I'm in Romans. How did I do that? I'm going to get me one of them people. You ever seen them people at church? They turners and they readers. I'm going to get me a reader. The preacher preached, he said, read that boy. And the reader read that and he be, and read it again, son, read it again. I'm going to give me a reader over here. He's going to do my turning and my reading. I'm going to give me an amen. I'm, I'm going to bring some folk in here. I'm going to go out, I'm going to pay some amen. I'm going to pay a reader to come in here. Now I'm teasing. Verse 8, 4, by what? Grace. Grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved. This is called saving grace. Saving grace. It was grace, the door of grace, that opened up for you to be able to understand and receive Jesus. Saving grace. Everybody say saving grace. Saving grace. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. 
Hebrews the fourth chapter when you're there say amen. amen just got a few more scriptures to go to Hebrews chapter 4 look here verse 16 let us therefore come what there's that word again. What do the apostles pray for in Acts 4? For boldness. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is seeking grace. This is grace that's given to you when you need, when you're seeking something. You're seeking grace and mercy to help in the time of need. You can ask the Lord. You can come to the throne of God and get grace to receive, grace to seek. Have you ever been, you know, born again? I'm sure you are born again. But have you been in a place in your life where everything was just flowing? You was dropping the Bible down and you was like, whatever scripture I read, that's going to be the scripture for me today. And you read the scripture and it's just what you need. You're like, whoo, that's some grace right there. And you kept doing that for about two years and it was like, nah, the well is dry. Now the Lord wants you to study. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That grace well, well ran dry right there. But this is a level of grace. It's a seeking grace. It's the grace that when you draw near to God, you take one step toward him, he'll take a hundred steps towards you. Let your church say amen. amen. I know we've conventionally thought, you know, scripture says, the Lord, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. But guess what? Our one step nigh toward God can't compare to his one step nigh toward us. When you take one step toward God, he'll take a million steps towards you. This is seeking grace. This is that grace that you get, man, when you when everything is good and everything is right and the things of God for you are new, but they are real. It's seeking grace. You got saving grace. You got seeking grace. Now watch this. Now go to Titus chapter 2. Titus, the second chapter. Titus. Where you at, Titus? Timothy, Titus. Oh, yeah, buddy. <clears throat> Titus 2. When you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 11. Watch this. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, wipes that saving grace, hath appeared to all men. Watch this. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is preserving, keeping grace. So it's the same grace. Didn't we say grace has different levels? It's the same grace. And I was just growing. The first level of grace that you received was saving grace. Then you received seeking grace. And now that grace is growing like that grace increased on Jesus. Now you enter into that grace of preserving grace. And that grace preserves you and it lets you know, it gives you the teachings to deny ungodliness, to deny worldly lust, and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Go to Romans 11. <clears throat> Romans 11. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Romans 11, look here, verse 5. Even so, then at this, <clears throat> even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant. Everybody say remnant. remnant. According to the election of what? Grace. 
grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, works is no more work, right? Even so, then at this present time, all there is a remnant according to the election of grace. What does the word remnant mean? It means those that are sanctified, those that are preserved and reserved. There is a remnant of people that are preserved through what? The election of what? Grace. Amen. Last scripture. Go to Psalms chapter 5. Psalms, the fifth chapter. When you're there, let me get a hearty amen. amen. Psalms 5. Look here, verse. 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love your name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. That's grace. Will thou compass him as with a shield. The scripture here says that grace will encompass you. It will compass around you like a shield. The scripture says, let them rejoice those that the Lord defends. How do you defend something? Somebody or something is in front of you stopping the enemy from going forward. How many of y'all watch football? Half of y'all. Some of y'all. My man Elijah likes football, right? What does the defense do? They stop the progress of the what? Offense. The scripture says that God defendeth them. These people that find favor or have great grace in their life, it's the Lord that stops the enemy from being able to penetrate you, to be able to penetrate where you are, to be able to penetrate your home, right? To be able to penetrate wherever you are. It is preserving grace. And the scripture here says that it compasses around you. The word compass or compass means to be forever. It means to be all around you. It's in front of you. It's behind you. It's on both sides. It's in your peripheral. It's in your blind spot. It's everywhere. This grace will compass you. It will surround you. And it will defend you from your enemy being able to penetrate your life. Come on. This is great grace. This is the great grace of God that surrounds you. It's that same grace when Jesus told the Sadducees and the Pharisees before Abraham was I am and they tried to throw Jesus over the cliff and all of a sudden you read the scripture that says Jesus passed through the midst of them how did Jesus pass through the midst of thousands of people there was a grace a great grace a door of grace that was around him encompassing him so that his enemy could not penetrate come on somebody Jesus only died when he said I'm gonna let you kill me he said no man takes my life I lay my life down and I have the power, the ability to pick it back up again. Hallelujah. It's great grace that encompasses you and defends you from your enemy being able to penetrate you. It preserves your life. It preserves you when everything is going down, when the economy is going down and sinking. It's that great grace that will accomplish you, that will surround you. And the Bible says it will be like your shield. It will stop your enemy from being able to penetrate. So I don't care what hell or high water comes to this earth, to this world, to this economy. It shall not touch me. It shall not touch you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Praise the Lord. It could be going crazy all the way around you. Your friends going nuts, but something will be preserving you. And they'll look at you and say, what is it about you? Why are you not going crazy? Why are you not worrying about the economy? Why are you not worrying about your job? Why are you not worrying about your finances? It's the grace of God that encompasses you like a shield. Hallelujah. It protects your blind spots. It's preserving grace. It'll preserve your clothes. I ain't lying to you. It'll preserve. I got 200,000, over 200,000 miles on my car. I ain't had to change nothing but a couple belts and some tires. Who you talking about preserving grace? Hallelujah. I done had to drive back and forth to Lansing and here and there. And I've been everywhere all across this southwest, southeast Michigan. And God has been preserving me and preserving my car, preserving my possession, preserving everything. He will preserve you. He will preserve your life. It's a preserving grace on your life that causes your things to be new. That causes you and your life, your spirit to be renewed it's a preserving grace hallelujah you ever seen somebody beat up by life no grace no preserving grace no joy when they come they like that kid on Charlie Brown with the with the thing that's following the, the clouds like and what's wrong with you no grace no grace. If you've ever been in that position where everything sometimes seems to go wrong, everything that can go wrong goes wrong, no grace. You got to tap into that grace. You got to tap into that great grace of God and he will begin to preserve you. Yeah. <clears throat> Remember the story about Goshen? Goshen and Israel was, was butt up against each other. Like Detroit and Southfield, across the street. In Goshen, dark clouds. In Goshen, nothing could grow. In Goshen, no water, famine. Oh, but you go across the street to Israel. Boy, they got crops growing. It's booming and busting. The sun is out. They got everything that they need. Why? Because that and the angel of death, that angel of destruction trying to steal the, 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 the crops and steal whatever it is that they had, it had to stop at the line of Israel because there was a shield. There was a grave that was encompassing Israel that said, you can't go no further further than here. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. That's grace. That's great grace that will preserve your life. Preserve your possessions. It will preserve you. It will preserve you. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all need great grace? How many of y'all thought you knew about grace, but you didn't really know about grace? Grace is the door to the supernatural. Grace will preserve you. They're seeking grace, saving grace, preserving grace. Next week, we're going to talk about grace for your purpose. And we're going to talk about excelling grace. There's a grace that will cause you to fly. It will cause you to excel beyond your wildest imagination. It will cause you to do things. It will cause you to be so bad. you got to step outside yourself and look at yourself and be like, who is that person? Who is that person that's excelling grace, saving grace, seeking grace, preserving grace? Say, Lord, Lord, preserve me. Preserve me. The scripture says in, in the book of um, Jude that we be preserved. His prayer was that we be preserved, spirit, soul, and body, until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We be preserved. Amen. Like Daniel. The Bible says Daniel would not eat the king's meat, he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. 
Bible says Daniel told them, let me go over here and let me eat what I want to eat, what the Lord tells me to eat. And when I come back, let's compare. And the Bible says when Daniel came back, he was preserved. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Mm-mm. Let's lift our hands. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your unmerited favor. Thank you, Father, for the door of grace preserving us, that saved us, that helps us when we seek. It's your grace that allows you, Father, to reveal yourself to us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for revealing who you are, revealing your love, revealing your peace, revealing your mercy, revealing our inheritance. And we thank you, Father, that you've given us the ability through your grace to receive that inheritance in the name of Jesus. We receive it now. Strengthen our spirits to be able to see it, to be able to walk in it, to be able to apprehend it in Jesus' name. If you're in here under the sound of my voice and you are not saved and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you are saved but you're out of fellowship with God and you want to renew, restore your fellowship with the Father today, you say, preacher, that's me. I'm not saved. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Or I am saved but I'm out of fellowship. Let me tell you the quickest way to get that that door of grace closed in your life is being out of fellowship, being away from God. If you're not saved, the door of grace has never opened. We need to get that open. If you are saved and you're out of fellowship with the Lord, the quickest way to stop that grace train, that grace zone in your life, is unconfessed sin, being out of fellowship with the Lord. So if you're in here and you're not saved or you're not sure that you're saved or you are saved but you are currently out of fellowship and you want to restore that fellowship with the Father today. <clears throat> I want you to stretch your hand all the way up. If that's you. Be bold. Stretch it all the way up. If that's you. Hallelujah. Anybody? 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 That's you. Stretch all the way up. We're going to pray with and for you today in the name of Jesus. I see that hand. Come here, my friend. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Great grace. You're standing in front of me. Turn toward me. Great grace for you. Pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Pray for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yep. As soon as I woke up this morning, you were on my mind, on my heart. As soon as I opened my eyes and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost for you. Hallelujah. Knew you would be here today. Great grace is your portion in the name of Jesus. Preserving grace is your portion in the name of Jesus. Everybody stretch your hands toward her in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. As I'm praying for you, I want you, because God is your father. You say, if you're born again, you know the Lord. You need to restore your fellowship. You pray to the Lord and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to restore you. Ask him to bring you back to that place where you walked away. The good thing about God is when you you return back, you start off where you left off. You don't have to start from the beginning. God is good for that. So I'm going to pray for you. These people are going to pray for you. And you pray for yourself. You pray to the Lord. You ask God to forgive you and to set you on the right course, the right track. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my dear sister. 
And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that as she's praying, you are forgiving her of every sin. I thank you that your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thank you, Father. She's forgiven now as she confesses. And I pray, Father, that the good work that you've begun in her, you will perfect it and you will perform it. Every gift, every calling that you've deposited on the inside of her spirit, I pray, Father, that it be enacted right now, that it be activated in her now, that she finds herself in the center of your perfect will for her life. I thank you that purpose is going to be birthed in her. I thank you, Father, that you're going to visit her and show her through dreams, through visions, and through your word, the design and the plan that you have for her life in the name of Jesus. And I pray for a door of grace, for great grace, excelling grace to be on her life in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. She can stay down there as long as she want the Lord to minister to her down there in the name of Jesus. <coughs> Hallelujah. God is good. His great grace. Be healed. Lift your hands. Be healed in your body. Be healed from the crown of your head to the very tips of your toes. Be healed in your body. In Jesus' name. Say, I receive it. I receive it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands, Emily. Great grace for you. Great grace for this season in your life. Great grace. Relax. 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 Great grace for this season. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that His grace is going to be on you in such a way that it's going to leave an aroma. Hallelujah. A spiritual aroma. A sweet smelling savor in the name of Jesus. Emily, say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <clears throat> God is good. Praise the Lord. Oh, Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. She can stay there as long as she needs to. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Many times things like this happen in servants and we don't understand. The scripture talks about when Peter was on the mount on the top of the house and the Lord appeared to him in a vision. And the scripture says that Peter fell into a trance, a trance-like state. When people fall under the power, as you see, I gently laid my hand on her head. It was the power of God that caused her to enter into a trance-like state. And when you're in that trance-like state, many times the Lord will calm your spirit. He'll speak to your spirit. He'll tell you what to do next. There have been many times where I've gone down and I'm laying there and the Lord showed me what to do next. He began to speak to me and encourage me and empower me to prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> It's offering time. Let's stay in that attitude of worship. Let's stay there. In that attitude. That mindset of worship. You have an offering envelope at your seat. If you desire to give in this offering, give so. Give liberally in Jesus' name. Our money is connected to the anointing. Another way of opening up the grace of God, the door of grace wider in your life, is by sowing seed. Giving to the work of God. In Jesus name. So let's give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a what? A cheerful giver. Happy to give. It delights me to give. Praise the Lord. If you go to this church and you're tithing, your tithe is a tenth of your income. The minimal is a tenth. In Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to have you go back um, with one of my counselors. She's in the back. Nicole, can you take her back there? We'll minister further to you. 
And don't leave without giving me a hug. That's my good friend there. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> oh, giving. Are you all ready to give? If you're ready, stand to your feet. If you're not giving, stand to your feet. Doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. We're all standing. Amen. We'll talk about, teach about giving, the importance of giving, the importance of tithing and sowing seed. That's what you look at your money as a seed into the kingdom of God. Who gives the greatest return on our investment? Not NASDAQ or not Dow Jones. No, no. The greatest return on our investment comes from the kingdom of God. 